Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money Smith. We are two weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And Money, big announcement yesterday. You and you and Adrian going to be hosting that draft party again. Tell me about it. You know, we've done it a few different times now, and it's always impressive. Charger fans come out, they hang out, they wait for the pick, whether it was on the, the Santa Monica Pier, and, and they waited all the way until 28, or last year at SoFi uh, with, you know, just Snoop Dogg, and I mean, a heck of a party. Probably had 30,000 people in there. I don't think I'm exaggerating. You know, 20, 30,000 people in there for the Snoop Dogg performance, drafted Zion. So, you know, why not keep it going? And we'll be outside. It'll be kind of that atrium area of the Century City Westfield. So I would assume you can pack a few thousand people in there. Petros and I are going to come out, do nice. 3 to 5 p.m. as kind of a warm-up. Hopefully get Coach Staley and, and Tom and, and maybe Justin and Derwin out there. And uh, Adrian and I, and you know, going to also have them up there. So it's an opportunity for you to come out, celebrate the Chargers, and see some of your favorite players, Justin Herbert, Derwin James included. It's exciting. 21 overall, too. We, we don't know what the Chargers are going to do on that. Now they trade night. out. It'll be a hell of a – talk about a celebration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they trade it out. They're going to trade Let's out. start get drinking. A, get a pair of twos, and money's going to buy That's drinks right. for everybody. Right? That's oh, I'm going to start dancing a jig is what I'm going to do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. Um, hey, Chargers fans – they know who Brett Coleman is. Brett just did an awesome breakdown of Kellen Moore's offense. I think part one of two. Um, and, and Brett's a perfect person to have on. He joins us now as we get closer to the draft. And Brett, uh, first, thanks for joining us, man. And I, I, I want to start with that video because it was super impressive. It was highly produced. And uh, I think Chargers fans really got a kick out of it. What was it like putting that together? I mean, it was awesome just because like, the, the Chargers media folks are incredibly talented. And, you know, working with Andrew, we go sit down over at Golden Road and we were, we were sketching out exactly how we wanted it to come out. And, you know, he had worked on, on detail with Peyton. He's an NFL Films alum. So, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't have to do a whole lot. I show up, I record my script, I give it to Andrew, and then he makes it the most beautiful thing I had ever been involved with like it, it's just it, it's insane talent that the Chargers have in their media team you guys included so I'm just happy yeah. to be along for the ride it's a listen Charger fans if you haven't seen it it's chargers.com as you said the eye candy is great but the breakdown is great Brett and I think if you don't mind just maybe walk through I, I know it's not the same without the visual and the XO available to you but if you can just walk through you know the personnel groupings the, the different types of runs that Kellen Moore uses and why it's been so effective since he took over, no matter who was running the ball, Tony Pollard or Zeke in Texas. Yeah, and it, they were kind of a fascinating offense to study last year. Um, and, and when I took an even deeper dive, obviously, you know, through a Chargers lens of like, what, what can we expect from Kellen? And I, I found myself shocked that, that he was even available in the first place. I'm like, okay, this was a, a top four team in scoring. They were incredible in the red zone. They were incredible at generating explosive plays. I was like, this this is a phenomenal offense. And then when you think about the fact that they did that without their starting quarterback for a big chunk of the year, you know, sustaining a whole bunch of offensive line injuries. And I'm like, this, this was a masterful performance by an offensive coordinator. Um, and kind of translating what he did with them 
to the Chargers, I, I think this might be one of the best Chargers offenses, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, obviously. I think in terms of system fit with talent, this is, I think, going to be one of the best Chargers offenses since probably like 06, like prime mid, mid-2010s Chargers because it's highly adaptable. It's highly aggressive. You know, he's going to let Justin be Justin, meaning throw the ball down the field. Obviously, we got to get some deep speed in the draft in the offseason, but like they prioritize that, the passing game, of we are going to create conflict and turn zone coverages into man coverages because once everything's 20 yards down the field, it turns into man anyway, right? So let's let Justin be Justin and exploit that. And then in the run game, you know, it's so versatile um, and adaptable in terms of how he runs the ball against specific fronts. Obviously, they're going to major in, in outside zone and inside zone, but if you start seeing fronts that are good against outside zone, like a bare front or a tight front, he's going to switch it up. He's going to call counter and he's going to gash you with that. So he doesn't just lean on one concept. He leans on everything. And it sounds weird to say, take what the defense gives you with the run game, but that's what he does. And, and he's, he's not, uh, he doesn't have such an ego that he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to call what I'm going to call and it's going to work. It's like, no, he, he, he scouts what a defense does. Well, he adapts the middle of the game and he has such a wide variety of plays that eventually there's not a whole lot you can do against Kellen Moore's offense because eventually he's going to get into his groove and he's going to exploit what you don't do well. And that's how they ended up, at least last year in Dallas, as a, as a top-five scoring team with a backup quarterback. Brett, we talk about the personnel that the Chargers have, especially up front. We know Rashawn Slater missed most of last year. There were some injuries across the line. Um, as we sit here today, uh, Austin Eckler's future is still kind of up in the air with the Chargers. Do you think, let's assume Austin comes back, do you think that the personnel is there for Kellen Moore to do what he did in Dallas with the run game? You know, what he did with Zeke and, and Pollard was remarkable. Do the Chargers have that sort of personnel currently on their roster? I personally believe they do. Obviously, I'd still love to get more depth. Um, I don't think you can have enough depth, but you know, uh, some combination of a starting five with Rashawn, Jamari, Lindsley, Zion, uh, and then Pipkins, like that starting five, you, you can absolutely run the crap out of the ball with that. And it also it should be a pretty good pass protecting starting five as well. Um, you know, Jamari stepped in last year in a, in a huge spot that was almost impossible shoes to fill, and he filled them. Now, I'm not quite sure what side he's going to play on or what position he's going to play on this year because Rashawn is coming back, but the fact that we know he can do it and we know that they'll sort that out over the summer of, like, let's just get the best five on the field, that, that gives me a lot of I think of it confidence. sounds like he's going to go right guard, Brad, is sort of what they alluded to. I think they're going to kick Zion left, so he'll be sandwiched between Corey and, and Rashawn going back to his original position at BC, and they've kind of said at, at least that's what it looks like they're going to do. They've sort of alluded to that, that Jamari will slot in right guard, you know, inside a tray there and like you said you know it's that five and that's perfectly fine with me and honestly that's probably the best Chargers offensive line that we've seen in a while yeah. again still need some depth behind that in case guys get hurt but you can absolutely you know run the ball against numbers with that starting five because they're so good and we are going to see a lot of people drop safeties in the box they're going to have eight in the box and and you would think that just counting numbers, you shouldn't run the ball against that. But if you're calling the right run against the right front, the numbers kind of don't matter as much. You just have to have a good offensive line and know how to execute. And they absolutely have that. Really, the one thing I think they need to complete this whole thing is just 
like a deep threat to take things over the top. Like Mike is a good deep threat, but it's more in the sense of like winning 50-50 balls and body control and all that kind of stuff. You know, Keenan is a phenomenal route runner. He's Mr. Third Down, but like we really need like that one guy with gas to threaten things over the top. And that's kind of it. Other than that, I think the offense is good to go and and something, you know, a unit that I think could put up 30 plus points a game. You um you mentioned it in the in the video, just the personnel groupings and, and how they're running a lot of a 12 or two tight ends. And you kind of look at the tight end room and, you know, Trey McKitty is was drafted as kind of that blocking. Let's hope he can kind of get a little receiving action going. Um, Gerald Everett, we kind of know what he is. He's been in the league long enough. It feels like Donald Parham is still evolving and perhaps becoming that complete tight end. When you look at that group um, and, and you kind of think of what might be available like well i'll just start there do you think they need to to add to that group based on what kellen moore had in dallas last year and how he uses those tight ends it's possible but they would have to have like a monster grade on one of these guys coming out whether it's dalton kincaid darnell washington musgrave mayor from notre dame um uh, laporta from iowa like they, it, to me, them taking a tight end early would be because they are just so smitten with one of those guys that they can't leave home without him. And it's possible Kincaid is that guy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He's yeah. generally seen as like the most dangerous tight end in this class. Um, but I, I also like I'm fine with the group they have now. If they end up going in a different direction, you know, let's say we need a nickel, we need a safety, or both. When it comes to Brian Branch, let's say we invest in receiver early, offensive line depth, defensive line depth. If tight end is the one position they just don't get to, they'll be fine with this group. But that being said, I, I, I wouldn't be sad to see Justin throwing a Dalton Kincaid on Sundays either, because he is just a ridiculous <laughs> receiving tight end talent. So then just the flip side of, of that, Brad, is the receiver. Because you kind of just talk about pass catchers in general um, in, in terms of what might be there at 21. Or if you when you say speed, because for people that don't know, Brett, you do incredible work breaking down draft prospects as well. So you know all of these players. When you just look at the wide receivers that are available, kind of the way it's been described, at least my interpretation of it is, it's a deep class. It's not necessarily a, an elite class. So – what's available to them in rounds two, three, four, whatever, versus what might be available to them at 21, say it's Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, you know, versus, again, just kind of just pure speed that might be available to them later in the draft and what might be the better path there. To me, uh, I mean, my, my wide receiver one in this class is Zay Flowers. Um, you know, watching him on tape, he's the most complete package of vertical explosiveness combined with, ability to beat press coverage. I know people bring up the weight. He, he went up to 183 in the offseason. I, I don't think it particularly matters because even if a press corner is bigger and stronger than you, if they can't touch you, it <laughs> doesn't really matter that much. And, and corners yeah. really struggle touching him off the line. He is so quick and so fluid and so explosive. Great route runner. Um, you know, has, has a few concentration drops here and there, but I would still say he has good hands. And he's a, a crazy good threat after the catch, too. In terms of talent versus fit, he's the best one in this class, I think, for the Chargers specifically. You know, getting that complimentary guy to Mike and Keenan, who eventually could could grow into being even more than just a compliment. He could be a focal point. If they don't get Zay Flowers, which I think is is possible because I think he could go as high as like 14 to the Patriots. 
if he's not on the board. Addison is also possible. Um, I feel like he and Keenan do a lot of similar things. So, you know, maybe he doesn't bring like quite the the different dimension uh, in terms of like pure speed, but he's still a great player. He'd still be a great charger. If we just want like a pure speed player, you know, looking at day two, day three, that's where I'm probably looking at like Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Um, Jaden Reed uh, from Michigan State to me is just like another T.Y. Hilton. Like I, I kind of just have him to the Chargers in pencil right now if they don't take receiver in the first round because he is perfect for them. Legit low 4-4 speed, great ball skills, great route runner. Again, he's smaller, so he's going to go lower, but like he fills the role. Um, and then in, in terms of like super late guys, um, I would pro- – well, not even super late. Like Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, he does bring that, that, that speed element, but he's also a lot bigger. He's one of those typical Ole Miss receivers that's like 230 pounds and runs 4-4, and we have no idea how. He defies physics, but he's another guy I would consider in the third round for them. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's not an elite receiver class, but there's just a ton of dudes in the top 150. So if they don't get one early, they're still fine. Um, but, boy, I'd really love Zay Flowers in powder blue. That's kind of like my, my yeah. main want right there. Yeah, money. Money mentioned that yesterday. We, we were we or not yesterday, last week. We were, we were guessing who who the charge would select at twenty one. Right, money. You had Zay. You had Zay Flowers at twenty one. Yeah, well, he was there. Maybe it's trying to manifest or something. You know, <laughs> make it happen. Brett, it, can you set the scene for us in this first round? So the Chargers select twenty one overall. Um, there's a chance five quarterbacks go in the first round. Who knows? Um, outside of those quarterbacks, it kind of moves the Chargers up to to seventeen. Let's say. Um, there is a lot of position groups that I think uh, would be ideal for the Chargers. I, I look at Edge with Joey and Khalil's age. If, if somebody drops there, we talked about wide receiver and tight end. Um, what are some of the stronger position groups in this draft? And maybe a, a couple of guys that, uh, that you wouldn't be surprised if they were there at 21 that, that may be uh, a little bit better than, than 21 overall. I think in terms of strength of this draft class, uh, the best three, or I guess technically four positions, um, would be tight end, edge, corner, and running back. That those have the best combination of like top end talent plus depth. And it's a, it's a good year for the Chargers because I think they could use another corner. Um, they could use potentially depending on what happens with Austin Eckler, they might be in need of a running back over the next couple of weeks here. Um, tight end is a maybe. We went over that. Uh, I, I think, in, and then um, I guess it depends Edge. on how you qualify nickel versus corner and everything oh, like yeah. that. Because I know that the Chargers specifically, like, they could take an outside corner, they could take a nickel because Asante can do both. It really just depends on who's on the board where they where they value guys. And I think that you know the the strengths of this draft class line up well with what the Chargers need especially if they're looking for another edge, uh, you know, to go behind Joey uh, and Khalil as well. One, one position that I don't think has been considered enough for the Chargers, depending on how the first round breaks, is outside corner. And it, th- this is kind of roundabout logic for me. When you go back to the playoff game, and I, I don't want <laughs> to belabor it too much because I know it hurts, the Michael Davis injury changed that game. And if Michael Davis didn't get hurt, they 100% without a doubt would have won that game. 
because when Michael Davis went out, all of a sudden they didn't have a, a bigger, longer press corner that could play the backside against all those three by one looks that the chart or that the Jaguars were throwing at them. And so, you know, they, they moved Asante around, uh, they brought in Jasir, and it just, it, it changed the types of coverages they could call. And even though, yes, nickel is a need and, and, and safety is a need, and Brian Branch would fill both of those roles, I think back to if Michael Davis, knock on wood, isn't on the field again, do they have anybody that can do that? And I don't necessarily think they do. And so I think having another press man corner in the first round just in their back pocket as a sneaky, like, break glass in case of emergency pick, it's absolutely possible. Like, Deontay Bakes from Maryland, um, you know, if Joey Porter Jr. falls that far, like, he's a perfect fit. Because when we go into nickel, you can always kick Asante inside, and he can play nickel for you. And then you just have these two big, hulking press corners on the outside, which Brandon would love because that gives him more flexibility in terms of how he can call the coverages he wants to call. So I know that we're infatuated with receiver and I would love that. Uh, and I know we're infatuated with like hybrid safety nickel, like Brian branch. I would love that. Even hey, edge. I want to pause you right there just because mm-hmm. when you evaluate the one thing about branch and I know the measurables are the measurables, but man, he plays big. Like he yeah. is a, I hate saying it, but he's a dog. Like that dude will bust your ass. Like how, how do you how do how do you think teams evaluate that? Like, yeah, I know he's you know like the whole teams have. I'm not taking a corner under five eleven, or I'm not taking a corner under 195 pounds. They have those benchmarks, but man, when you just watch that guy on tape, it just looks like he's gonna rough you up. Like you are not gonna get the better of him. So how do you how do you value that when you're trying to? Because like for us, I think we've seen it so many times. It's not just the press man; it's the corner. It's making the tackle. It's mm-hmm. thinking back to week, you know, thinking back to week 18, two years ago with Jacobs, you know, carrying Asante as a backpack for eight yards to put him into field goal range, even though he was there to make the stop. You know, like you said last year, same thing. It's a third and one. They run the jet sweep and you can't make the tackle. So, like, how does that come into the evaluation process for someone like Branch that it felt like was really getting a lot of love and was getting pushed up into the middle of that first round? And now, for whatever reason, we're seeing him perhaps be devalued, and who knows what is a smokescreen and what's not. And Branch is a classic example of people getting way too beholden to testing numbers, and they forget what their eyes said, which is this is a really good football player uh, who, like you said, makes an impact on all three downs. And what people don't realize is as a like nickel is the hardest spot to play on defense. You ask anybody, like it's the hardest spot because – you have a two-way go in coverage constantly. You have to be involved in the run fit on every single play. You're involved in, in the pass rushes of Blitzer. Like, nickel is the spot. And if you don't have a good one, you don't have a good defense, quite frankly. And I, I think when people watch Brian Branch play and they see the impact that he had on Alabama, everybody was all in. And all of a sudden, you know, he goes out and has these testing numbers and people, like, forget that for six months we're like, oh, this is a, a top 15 player in the draft. And I'll say this, I, I think the, the, the difference between, uh, you know, fan perception and team perception is teams these days, especially ones with fleshed out analytics departments, they get all the GPS data from right. the pads and they use that to model play speed into like a projected 40 yard dash time. Like teams do that these days. So like 40 yard dashes are like quote unquote important, but 
Not really, because if your model says, hey, this guy plays at a 448 when he has pads on, you don't really care if he runs 46 in, in spandex, because you now have the ability to quantify game speed in ways that you didn't be able to do 10 years ago. And Brian Branch's game speed is insane. So I, I think that he's going to go higher than maybe fans expect because teams right. have numbers to back up what their eyes say. Brett, you know, the one thing I think about with corner two is just the, the uncertainty around J.C. Jackson and when he's going to be ready because, you know, there's a lot of money invested in him. And at this point, we, we don't know when he's going to be ready. So, you know, I, I, that's why I think, to your point, corner is a is a sneaky need. You know, Muddy brought up a great point, too, about having to pay Michael Davis here in a couple of years and having to pay Asante after that. End of this know? year. Yeah, yeah you, you got to you got to get younger at corner and, and, and plan for the future while at the same time kind of work on those parallel paths of, of getting Justin everything he needs offensively so they can compete for a Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I guess we, we, we've been going back and forth about, hey, just load up on offense, right? You know, Money has the, the philosophy, which I agree with, is, hey, you, you got to outscore the Chiefs and the Bills and everybody else in the AFC. So, do you, And you're not stopping them. And you're not stopping them, yeah. You're not stopping them. So, so at 21, do you, do you think offense weighs a little heavier with all that being said, knowing what you're competing against in the AFC this year? 100% it does, but it also has to be the right guy, right? Like if B. Yeah. John Robinson falls into our lap, I'm just I'm looking up and saying thank you. But I really? also don't expect him to. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, we you talked know, about Zay... that a lot on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do people think that Bijan's going to be there? Some do. Um, I think they're – at least it, it feels like the Eagles make sense at, at 10, right, for how they want to play and what they want to do. And then after that, it feels like maybe the Patriots, the way they draft, the value, they don't give a damn about what the rules are, right, in the draft. You could see that. But I guess the Lions with their second pick, right? We know the offense they want to run. So, yeah, I Brad, I'd be surprised. I'll, you know what, though? So, if you can, you know, Chris's point there about, about Bijan and, and adding to the offense, um, I saw the breakdown you did with your – I think it was the Hidden Gems, and you had Roshan Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I, you were taught – the way you were framing the conversation, you used the Chargers. <laughs> that was the team that you used, like, hey, yes, here's Bijan, but then – Here's this other guy that you could get in the second or the third instead, and, and this is how it would really work in an offense like, say, the Chargers. And that's what's unfortunate about Roshan is he was on a team with Bijan for, for all that time, right? When if he goes to any other team, you know, he's probably looked at as like an easy top 100 pick, and I still think he will be a top 100 pick. But he reminds me a lot of like Brian Robinson from Alabama last year where it's this overlooked guy who didn't really – you know, and Brian Robinson didn't get his full shot till his last year, senior year, and he, he stuck it out and he waited behind a whole bunch of dudes. And Roshan, unfortunately, was behind Bijan for the last three years, but he was still putting up a six yards carry. And he's right. a former quarterback, so you could do some real funky stuff in the red zone. Like, you know, if we're getting into Wildcat and all that kind of stuff, you want to call something weird, you, you pick Roshan Johnson. Uh, but he's a way better athlete than he's given credit for. Good pass protector, good receiver, absolutely runs over people, great size, extremely solid running back. Again, I still, in terms of, like, projected pick, he's going to go 90 picks behind Bijan for a reason. Right. But if they don't get Bijan, I would be all over Roshan Johnson in, like, the third round and just love it if he was in L.A. 
Brett, do you remember your your evaluation of Isaiah Spiller? I was actually uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't the biggest Isaiah Spiller uh, guy. It doesn't mean that I had like a low grade on him. I just happened to have some really really high grades on a whole bunch of guys ahead of him. Um, honestly, what was what was hard about my Spiller evaluation was <laughs> he was running behind uh, Green, who was just caving in defensive lines and giving like these eight yard canyons and i was like i know he can make a move but he just hasn't really had to because the texas a&m offensive line was absolutely obliterating people um but i thought he was like a really solid prospect you know potentially a three down guy um you know your classic like number two that if austin needed a blow on the sideline you could put spiller in there and be totally fine i i never necessarily saw uh like game breaking ability, but I definitely thought he would thought he was really solid. So if just kind of going back and Chris, sorry, I got off the, the question you were asking. No, there. So let's, it. let's say that, you know, Zay is there. Bijan is there. Um, you're not going to get one of the top two corners there, Witherspoon and Gonzalez, they won't be there. Um, so what if it is those two, you know, and, and you've got to, you've got to kind of choose between Zay and Bijan, and you kind of know what those it's just you know that's that's a to me that's a tough one it's extraordinarily tough um by the way it's an exceptional problem to have too yeah right let's go sign me up for that problem (laughs) great problem to have I know the analytics would say go receiver every single time I understand that but I also I understand the type of coach that that Brandon Staley is and this is somebody who really loves to establish pace in the game and establish physicality in the game and, and uses the run game um, to, to kind of get the game into a groove, right? Um, to get Justin into a groove, to give second and six, not second and eight. And Bijan's the type of running back that will get you second and six, even if it's blocked for a second and eight, right? right. And I think having the type of running back which they haven't necessarily had over the last few years of somebody who can get 15 carries and five catches or 15 carries and 10 catches and, you know, get 20 plus touches, which is a very rare thing in the NFL these days. It's very few backs that ever average 20 plus touches a game. Bijan is one of the guys that I think can do it, but he can do it in multiple ways. He can do it as a receiver or as a runner. You can give him low red zone carries. You can give him high leverage, short yardage carries third and, seven say go out there and win not just against linebackers but against safeties he can do that and I think having that type of running back that we know Staley likes to establish pace and control of a game in addition to having explosive game breaking ability it's a rare thing to have and I think you can still get that speed element in the receiving core like we talked about with some of those guys on day two and day three because there are a bunch of them I don't necessarily think you can get a Bijan Robinson in day two or day three and he's one of the three best players in this draft class so i'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth hey let's take a quick break and we got a couple more questions for brett all right guys as the official hospitality partner of the nfl on location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier nfl events like never before on location brings you up close for all the action providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday, and everything in between. On Location, thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
this August kickoff football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL also headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On location, official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and much more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. You know, Brett, it, because we talk about Bijan, it doesn't mean that we don't love Austin Eckler. And if he is back and you have those two guys in the backfield, I mean, we've seen Austin, especially, especially during like the Melvin Gordon days, we've seen him line up on the outside. You can use Austin everywhere too. So I don't know if you could just talk about what this offense could look like, especially with Kellen Moore calling the plays, having a guy like Bijan or somebody comparable with Austin Eckler. And we saw what they did last year in Dallas with Pollard and Zeke on the field at the same time. Yeah. And they ran a whole bunch of two back runs with two yeah. halfbacks, not a fullback, but a halfback because they would use Zeke to block for, for Tony. And if you can run a 21 personnel run with two guys on the field that could both potentially get the rock and house that thing, it completely changes how a defense reacts. Um, because let's just say, you know, we, we get, um, we get Bijan and Austin on the field at the same time. Austin's in the slot. Bijan's in the backfield. You know, we get Trey McKitty at the Y, uh, and then all of a sudden we put Austin in the backfield, we move Bijan up to be a fullback. You're still not quite trusting that it's going to be a two back run because all of a sudden we can run fullback scene with Bijan Robinson. He can house it for 60 yards. So you're still kind of slow to get downhill and play against, you know, let's say we're calling like two-back power or something like that. Because we know Bijan can and will block. Like, he's all about that. But if, if the linebacker just hesitates a little bit, all of a sudden that creates a, a massive crack. Not to mention you can do some really fun stuff off play action with that. Oh, you know, you can go, you can go uh, four strong. They did that in Dallas with Zeke and Pollard running four strong, meaning four to the strong side, one guy – you know, which is probably Mike on the backside. Like you can do some wild stuff with both of them on the field. It's not an either or. It's a yes and. And yeah. I, if Austin comes back, I would love that because him and Bijan together would be. I'm not even kidding. The best running back duo in the league day one. The so that, that this this works to go into this conversation. Chris alluded to it a little bit earlier, Brett. And and look. You can call it, it's, it's not confirmation or recency bias. Maybe it's just scar tissue. I've seen, you know, calling games for the Chargers since 2017. I can't tell you how many four-point, three-point leads that I've seen against top offenses in this league, particularly the Chiefs. There's no better way to punch your ticket into the tournament than to win the division that don't hold. They, they lead. They lose the lead. You know how it's going to end. You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's nothing against Brandon Staley or this Chargers defense because he does it to everybody. You know, he did it to the Eagles who had 70 sacks in the year and scored 35 points and couldn't prevent them from scoring 38. Like what's – I've made the case. Just offense. That, that You've got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James. You have got a stacked defense that DCs would line up to be able to coach, and they can't stop them. So what's the point of even adding to it? Why, why not just say, screw it, we got to score 38. 31's not going to do it, and that's the way we've got to win the AFC West. 
Does that make sense to you? Because I'm sure it doesn't for Brandon Staley, defensive-minded coach, but that's sort of the, the predicament that I'm trying to put him in. I mean, so I was at the, the Chargers-Chiefs game in SoFi last year. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I was down in the lower bowl for that game, and it was the first time I'd ever, ever seen Mahomes live. Obviously, you've seen him live many times at this point. And there's the, the, this almost like sense of dread and inevitability you know, when yep. he gets the ball in two minutes. And I would really prefer uh, that script be flipped where don't you dare give Justin Herbert the ball with two minutes left, right. which to a degree it already is. Like I think the Chiefs, the only team they're really scared of is the Chargers because the Chargers play them better than anybody consistently. Yeah. Uh, and I would really love it if, if we just kind of lean into uh, Justin Herbert is the big bad wolf, give him everything he needs, and as long as he has the ball last, we're good. We're winning he the win. game. It's the Big 12. <laughs> the yes, AFC West literally, the yes. Big 12. That's it. <laughs> just, just let him score. Make sure you leave us 65 seconds, and you're good. You'll win the game. It, just, it, feels, it, it feels as though in the AFC right now, on that path to the Super Bowl, it's Burrow, it's Josh Allen, it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's only going to get tougher. You know, it, it's only it's only going to get harder. It's so I think you know not to just reiterate it's you've already said it all, but like that, it just feels like that's the right approach. Like it's 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 foolish to think your defense is going to shut all of these offenses down and route to a Super Bowl berth. And we haven't even got to 2024 when Caleb Williams and Drake May are coming. Like, God exactly. forbid they go to the yep. AFC too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> NFC. Yeah, and Brett, the Please. fact that, you know, we, it's it's funny, too, because we've been talking about Lamar and where's Lamar going to go, and all of a sudden, I guess OBJ makes everything fine. I don't know. I mean, I guess Lamar's going to stay in the AFC, so there's yet another another threat in the conference at the quarterback position. Uh, you mentioned Caleb Williams and, and May coming out next year. Um, I, I'm, I'm with money, man. I, I just think you, you have to load up offensively. Um, we're kind of in that third and fourth and fifth wave of free agency coming, I guess, over the next month. Is there anybody out there, especially at the wide receiver position, with speed that you think could be a nice fit for this offense? Oh, man, in terms of still available, um, off the top of my head. There's a reason they're still available, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think John I mean, Brown got snatched you know, up. D- defensively, yeah. last year, they made some big moves getting Morgan Fox and Kyle Van Noy late, and, and those guys all contributed late in the year. But offensively, I think it's a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, and because if you can run 4-4, you're going to have a job usually before right. April starts. Yeah. So I think if they are going to get that, it is going to be through the draft. Um, luckily for them, there's a million dudes in this class that can run 4-4. I'm looking. I don't see I'm, not, I'm on Greg Rosenthal's top 100 still available. There's not a single receiver. So I think they've, they've, all, been, uh, they've all been snatched up. And it's, you know, like you said, the, the good news is depth in the uh in the draft let's you know what brett let's let's at least entertain the idea that that brandon staley's got some pull in that war room uh when 21 (laughs) is is up there and look there's there's some interesting defensive players we already talked about brian branch you mentioned more Uh, we have not talked about the defensive lineman i think the one that a lot of people have kind of sort of at least put a pin in and, and kind of said, oh, you know, Brandon Staley, uh, uh, Kalijah can't see. Is he Aaron Donald? No, but, you know, there are some of those at least characteristics, same uniform, same penetrating ability. Just kind of your thoughts of 
of maybe the players defensively that might be available that could make a big impact on a team that has its sights set on the Super Bowl this year? You know, I think a, a big thing is, uh, okay, we're prioritizing inside or outside uh, because it's two very different skill sets. If they're looking at uh, an edge or really just a, either an outside linebacker or, or, or like a, a true defensive end, if we're looking there, I would, I would kind of like to find uh, Staley's new version of Leonard Floyd, like a young Leonard Floyd. Somebody who can play that Sam linebacker role, which really is like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type thing. Like, obviously, contributes as a pass rusher, drops in coverage quite frequently, um, you know, especially when they're doing, like, all the bonus fire zone stuff. Like, they, they need somebody who can handle that type of load going backward and forward. Uh, Tennessee's Byron Young, I think, is somebody who I look for uh, at that spot because uh, he's ultra-athletic, like, insanely athletic, super-fluid, would have to be coached up a little bit, but in terms of like, here's the ball of clay, and and Brandon just gets to work with that and turn it into like Leonard Floyd with a jetpack. I think Byron Young, uh, the Tennessee Byron Young, not the Alabama Byron Young. I know right. it's very confusing because they're the same thing, but um, he's one that I'd be looking at. In terms of interior guys, I'm looking at okay, who can play anything from a two eye to a five technique. Um, you know, Foxy's going to, you know, hold down the Ford as like a five technique to four eye, but who's somebody who I could potentially kick even further inside. And I look at uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, who to me reminds me a lot of Cam Hayward. You know, he's got uh, a wrestling background, fantastic pass rusher, really good athlete, um, but also has the, the size and the nastiness that, you know, if we're playing like a, a four down flex front where we have him as a two eye uh, and then, you know, really any any of the other Chargers defensive linemen could play three technique on the other side. Uh, I think Keanu Benton being that super quick physical two-eye uh, that can also provide pass rush versatility is, is a piece that Brandon would really, really love to have. Um, and then in, in terms of like, okay, who's the best pass rusher? Let's say, God forbid, Joey goes down, Khalil goes down. Oh, who's somebody that we I can bring it. in right now? and get after the passer, rush the passer today. I would look at um, probably – oh, God, who would even be there at 21? Uh, would Nolan Tui Smith Tui, be uh, there? Tui Pelotu. Nolan Tui Smith, Pelotu I, I probably expect to be top 15. Tui Pelotu, yeah. I think, at least has a decent shot of being there. He has inside-outside versatility. There, yeah. um, Derek Hall from Auburn. I would love Will McDonald from Iowa State. That'd be great. I know Brandon would love Will McDonald because yeah. he's a, a five freak. tech that played two played a two hundred sixty pound five technique. Like that's yeah. catnip for Staley. Um, also super bendy and it, all of these guys potentially could be there at twenty one. So in terms of like big big picture, in terms of where the Chargers can go in the draft, the answer is anywhere. They have the. And I'd prefer them trade range. out. By the way, just trade back. And they probably you, you will. talked about the depth. That's what that that that'd be the best case to me. They probably will, just because I think the the two guys that you can't really pass on are Zay and Bijan. If they're not there, like, yeah. might as well get value and go. Yeah, yeah. Brett, the last one for me, and and this is kind of shifting out of the draft and focusing on the division. Um, just your thoughts on what the division has done so far this offseason obviously with the Broncos and Sean Payton that fit with Russell Wilson McDaniels getting Garoppolo and um, some guys that that I think better fit what he wants to do Um, where do the Chargers 
kind of fit in this pecking order in the AFC West. We knowing the Chiefs of the Chiefs and uh, kind of the drastic moves that have been made with the with Denver and Vegas. I still have them. Uh, like if I was going to project wins right now, pre-draft, uh, I would still have them above Denver. I would still have them above the Raiders. The Chiefs is like a maybe because they're the Chiefs, but the Chargers right now on paper. I think are the only team that could really go toe to toe with KC, um, and I think that that kind of bared itself out in the regular season too, right? Like they they gave them the worst scares, and if they were healthy, they probably would have at least split and and made the playoffs and seen them again in January, um, or gone gone past uh, gone past the round and, and seen them again later in January. Obviously, you know the Michael Davis injury, like we alluded to, uh, yeah. was big for them. But like the Chargers are the threat to KC to me because not only are they talented, but schematically, like when I watch um, as, as an aside, there was a, a video that I did during the season about like the goal line shovel pass that Kansas city runs all the time and how they are literally the only team in the NFL that's good at it. Like the only one. And even then their success rate is still like 40%. Everybody else is like half that they're the only team that makes it work. The only team that, <laughs> plays against their shovel pass well and the only reason why they're below 50 percent is because they called it a bunch of times against the chargers and the chargers stopped it every single time so like even from a schematic standpoint the chargers are the only team that really understands andy Reid, and really understands spagnolo and from a schematic standpoint they play against them uh, it's a dogfight every single time and the chiefs know that they know they're in for a brawl and if the chargers should stay healthy truly just stay healthy their combination of talent and I think, you know, the quality of their coaching staff in terms of game planning against KC, they are the threat to the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs know that. I'm good. Follow them. Uh, Brett Coleman, two T's, two L's, two N's. Uh, YouTube channel's great. You're going to see those videos. Uh, the one is already up, breaking down the run. I would assume we're, we're pretty much going to get the one on the pass here any day now. Uh, at chargers.com so they're great videos are great get you ready for the draft awesome insight really enjoyed it brett thanks man thank you for having me brett you're the man that's going to do it for us we got two more weeks we'll uh get another guest on next week get you closer to the 2023 draft Chargers like 21 overall and if they don't use the pick and trade out money celebrate and drinks for everybody at the atrium yeah, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll drink together. Uh, we'll have yeah, a drink exactly. together. How about that? I'll buy, I'll buy a handful of them, but not all of them. I think there's supposed to be thousands of people, so that could set me back. I still got kids in college, for God's sakes. Yeah, I, I can't do that to you. <laughs> all right, for, for Brett and Buddy, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. All right, guys, as the official hospitality partner of the NFL, On Location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier NFL events like never before. On Location brings you up close for all the action, providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday and everything in between. On Location thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This August kickoff football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL also headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On Location official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and much more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits. 
only with On Location. 